Lonely Monk Productions. I don't know if y'all have heard the new Avril Lavigne album Love Sucks yet, but yo. That's my joy! joy. What's good, friends and family, neighbors, near and far? Welcome to an all-new episode of the Yo, That's My John podcast. The podcast, website, brand, movement, way of life dedicated to the embrace and championing of your passions. I am your host, Nate Runkle, a.k.a. I don't want to admit how much time I wasted this evening trying to come up with a witty John version of James Harden's name to celebrate the dominance that the Sixers now represent before giving up and just deciding on saying all of this in its place, aka Nate 3.0, back at it again with yet another episode of the podcast. As always, I hope this podcast finds you all in good health and in good spirits. On today's episode, I have an awesome conversation with singer-songwriter Don McCluskey. He's got a new album coming out in March, and we talk about that and more, and that's coming up very shortly. You know, hosting this podcast has been wild, and I I find it's a great reprieve from the hustle and bustle of everyday life. I love taking some time off and just chatting with people about music and creativity. I don't know if you have heard the podcast Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, but in the first episode, Conan talked about the premise of his show being that over the years he's gotten to chat with these incredible guests, but only for a very short period of time, and then they're gone, and that he wished he had a chance to hang out with them longer. You know, and also that people wrongly assume that they're all friends. And that really speaks to what it's like hosting a podcast like this. We have these great conversations, and I'm like, God damn it, I never want this to end. I want to continue these chats forever. And some of them do continue on. If you're on the Facebook page or on Instagram, you've seen that this past weekend I got to meet my guest from the last episode, Matt Lowell, at a free at noon show. And earlier this evening, while I was writing this very intro, I was just having a text chat about fish with former guest and podcast peer Dan Drago of the 25 O'Clock Podcast, which you should definitely be listening to if you aren't already. You know, I know I'm constantly using the space in the intro of the episodes to talk about how grateful and appreciative I am to get to do this, and well, here I am doing it again, but what are you going to do? Anyway, all of this is just to say, I loved my chat with my guest today. It at times felt less like an interview and more like just a hang in a dorm room or around a table at an open mic night after hours or sitting in a booth at a diner over a plate of shit on a shingle or any myriad of other hangs I've been a part of over the years. So, Anyway, let me just shut the fuck up and let's get into it. My guest today is a singer-songwriter who has been selling out venues consistently in New York, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Boston, and beyond. He has toured with a wide range of artists from G-Love to The Roots to Raekwon of the Wu-Tang Clan. And his music has been featured in films, ad campaigns, TV shows, and has racked up over 400,000 streams on Spotify alone. His latest album, The Chaos and the Beauty, is due out on March 11th, and its first single, First in Flight, can be heard in the season two finale of Apple TV's Mythic Quest, a TV show created by and starring his high school friend, Rob McElhenney. Folks, it is my honor to welcome to the show today, Don McCluskey. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am joined today by the great Don McCloskey. Don, thank you for joining me here on Yo, That's My John. Yo, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited to have this conversation. You know, um, uh, when I uh, set when we set all of this up, I was like, God, I, you know, like I, I was familiar with your music, but I was like, man, there's something about your name that's sticking out to me, and I couldn't remember where I knew it from. And then um, just doing research, I realized what it was. It was the Gorilla Delphia track, the yes. uh, the, yeah. the <laughs> Unstoppable for the Phillies. I was like oh, addicted cool. to that song. I was DJing at the time, and like we, I played that probably m- almost as much as. Uh, the number one song I've played uh, more than any other song in my life is Love on Top by Beyonce and I don't know oh, why yeah. that is it's just like this so keeps I, going up because it just yeah. keeps going up <laughs> it's on top love is literally on top but um, yeah. but I think uh, that that Gorilla Delphia track was like number two on there how did that all come about that's so cool man um, yeah so that came about well the the, the Phil's won I guess two that well it's 2008 so then it was 2009 they were going back to the World Series and it just felt like it was inevitable that they were going to win, win again. So the, the, you know, the, the chorus came to me um, after watching like the NLDS. We won the NLDS. So I, I was thinking about the chorus and then I had a verse. So I was, I was recording with uh, Tom Spiker at that time and, and Chuck Trees still like, you know, uh, record and play with them. But at the time we were doing a lot of recording at his studio. So I brought, <laughs> brought it down and uh we just started like messing around with it. And then we started sending it around. Uh, we sent it to G love. He was recording with Koofy who ended up uh, doing the second verse. And then we brought the horn section in from Philly. It was like a all-star <laughs> horn section lineup. It was great. They put that down and we just built it piece by piece. And then we just started sharing it with, you know, uh, friends and family and kind of like in the circle and everybody was, you know, you know how it is when we're in the, postseason everybody's like on fire with the Phillies so (laughs) so it just started taking off and it was really cool so like you know sports talk radio was playing it the uh it was like a cross format that was the cool part it was like you know the indie rock rock station and and sports talk and you know across format was playing. It's cool. Oh, it's so cool. And also, um, I have to say it has to go into the, uh, history books for being able to successfully rhyme Webster Papadopoulos. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty much the whole, <laughs> the whole point of the song was like, <laughs> It was like, all right, can we get Webster Papadopoulos into the chorus and get it on the radio? Like, that was the challenge. The first time I heard it, I was just like, no way. There is no way that just happened. It was, it was, it was yeah. so perfect. Thanks, <laughs> man. So um, yeah. tell, tell all these good folks listening to this a little bit about yourself, like where you're from. Where did you grow up? Sure. Uh, I grew up in uh, Bristol, PA. So that's north, northeast Philly, like, um, you know, 20 minutes north east of philly right outside of north east philly <laughs> yeah and uh yeah i grew up there and uh went to high school at uh in philly st joe's on uh in on Gerard ave and um so it's uh like you know philly philly connection and then uh graduated and uh went to school in new york and then stayed in new york uh pretty much the well not pretty much up until this month or up until a couple months ago, I just moved oh, back to the area. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. The, um, you know, you, you talk about St. Joe's also in my, in my, um, doing research here, you graduated 95. I'm a 95 guy myself. So we're like, uh, we, we went to different schools together. We did. Exactly. <laughs> 
just in the same yeah. in the same universe we were kind of doing the same thing you know at around the same time that's amazing no that's cool so we're the same yeah probably all the same are you philly like grew up in the philly area yeah 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 of the suburbs like uh i grew it's, up pretty I mean, yeah. much north wales i don't know if you're familiar how familiar totally. with the suburbs are but yeah. but like the the greater philadelphia media market we were absorbing the same influences the same content, and the same content. Yeah. Yeah. that's exactly yeah. right that's, yeah, that's exactly cool. right so like uh when you're like a kid like what kind of music was playing around the house like what were your folks listening to uh it was a lot of different uh kinds of music my my like in the house my mom and dad had like this, the record collection was mixed and I didn't realize until later it was like, Oh, that was definitely dad's records. Yeah. <laughs> Those were definitely mom's records. So my dad had like rock records. It was like Frank Zappa and uh, black Sabbath and grateful dead and uh, like Uriah heap and like Jethro Tull and all these kind of like British, uh, British rock bands. And then my mom had, um, let me think, uh, Oh, all the um, singer songwriters, like uh, 70s singer-songwriters and Motown. So it was like every, uh, you know, Temptations, Four Tops, Supremes, uh, Smokey Robinson was huge. That was like really big in the house. And then uh, Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, Leonard Cohen, uh, that kind of thing. So it was like a eclectic mix in the house. And then in my family, I had a ton of aunts and uncles and cousins and huge, huge family. So I kind of absorbed all of their record collections. Too. Yeah. Not, not the actual collection, but just going over to their house and absorbing the music there. So my, my uncle was really big into hip hop and my other uncle was a um, Irish folk musician. He played Irish folk music. So it was like all of the Irish uh, music was always around and, and in the house and yeah, at family parties and that kind of thing. That's, so that's, are, that's awesome. That, that like, that's a great potpourri of like, just, it a, was, Awesome. Yeah, it really was awesome looking back. And what, then church uh, music and, you know, it was a, a, everything on the radio at the time in, in Philly too. Like the radio stations were, um, yeah, it was like, yeah, just cool um, blend and yeah, mix of music. Yeah. Did you, did you like, uh, did you, were you attracted to it? Cause I know like, you know, similar background in that, you know, there was just so much music going around that like, I, I was always fascinated, like, Oh, what are you listening to? I've never heard anything that sounds oh, totally. like this. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and everybody would be like, did you hear that song? Did you hear that song? You'd be like, if you didn't hear that song, you'd be like, Oh uh, no, I didn't hear it yet. But you know, yeah. And Go I, try to listen to the radio and wait for it to come on. And, and, and you know, yeah. that's another thing, you know, also being the same age and all is like Philly radio had it all, you know, because yeah. we're such a major market. There was just so much good stuff going on in the area that like, you know, just the exposure. I, yeah. I, I almost took it for granted. Like I went to school in Western PA. So like when I started, you know, taking all my music with me and stuff like that, people were confused. Like, wait, you right. can't you can't like this and this. You have to pick <laughs> right. one, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of pop. There was a lot of um like in Bristol, it was like pop. It was I think it was Eagle 106 and like a 102 or something like that. And it was just kind of like the dance music, like pop music. Yeah. And then obviously Power 99 was like a huge station um early on, uh, like early on with with hip hop. And to to have that was so cool, like in retrospect, like being able to listen to everything that was like going on while it was going on was uh amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then and then country, and there was also like a lot of freestyle music uh that was really popular in, in like growing up so it was like stevie b and all of, all of that was going on and 
And everybody's playing it like at the dances, you go to the, I don't know, you go to the roller skating rink and every, it was just like one genre. I didn't realize there were like different genres. It, it was all pop. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, so I took it for cool, granted. Yeah. I totally, totally took it for granted. Um, when did you start like playing music? What did you start with? Um, when I started playing, it was really singing first. Like I was um, probably just like imitating and singing music, either in school, in church. Uh, there was a theater down the street that I started working at. And um, like in retrospect, probably against child labor laws. <laughs> <laughs> It's like seventh grade and working at the theater. That was like working at the theater and uh, absorbed a lot of like music there and just like kind of imitating people singing. That's probably the earliest. And then uh, started playing guitar like in earnest around sophomore year. My uh, cousin, uh, one of my, uh, another one of my cousins who played guitar gave me his like old guitar when he got a new one and taught me three chords. And I was just off. I was like trying to write everything uh, and combine it all into like, like a song and with three chords. <laughs> so I just wrote like 10 songs with like the same three chords. And then he'd come over and teach me another chord. And I'd be like, Oh, cool. Let's write another 10 songs with like any chord I got, I could just like keep writing. And, and that's kind of when it started in earnest. That's awesome. Were there, um, were there like looking back, do you, were there any of those songs that you think, um, could, uh, that, that you still kind of play around with or anything? Oh, those songs. It was real yeah. jokey in the beginning. So the beginning, it was like, um, uh, like literally the first song I wrote was called herpes and my slurpees. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. And I was just trying to make like everybody in my like peer group laugh and, uh, and it worked. So Herpes and My Slurpees was just like an irresistible rhyme. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's so funny because uh, my the very first actual full song I ever wrote was a song called Chicken Cutlets. And it was about giving a girl a um, a, a boneless chicken breast in the shape of a heart. And, and it right. was just, you know, completely nonsensical, jokey <laughs> totally. kind of stuff. And then the second yeah. one I wrote was a song called Al Sprinkler, My Father's My Uncle. And it was like a country send up about, you know, checking the family tree and finding finding that it all circles and loops and stuff. It's really, <laughs> right. it's, it's really weird that like, you know, and I, it might just be that time frame where you're just like, Definitely. I just need to make people laugh. You know, I need to. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was, I really looking back on it. It was like, I wanted to write, I had all these things I wanted to express and say and all this stuff, but no way was I actually going to like play something that was like putting myself out there. That's exactly right. That's <laughs> At that exactly, age, right? It's the so mask. It like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was real like like joking and, and being funny and everything was uh, way easier and, you know, and more fun. And it was also just more fun. It was like, you know, it was just more fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you did you start playing out at all, like uh, parties and like, stuff? Always like parties, like house parties. You know, I go yep. to house parties and everything. And uh, like in high school, it was great. Uh, that's really where the whole social like scene was like somebody was having a party at somebody's house like all the time. So we would just bounce around and, you know, and, and it was still okay at that point to be like, break out a guitar. And, and like people actually wanted that to happen. Yeah. Now yeah. it's like you break out a guitar at a party. And it's like, Ooh, uh, e. Ooh uh. <laughs> it's like, how long are we going to be stuck listening to this? Oh, or is it, it's like yeah. out of the guitar here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. No, it was fun. It was, it was, uh, and just trying to do the songs that we were listening to anyway. So if it was like, uh, and that's when I started trying to like combine all the hip hop we were listening to and then put it on the guitar. And that's when everybody was really enjoying like that kind of like 
like mixture of, you know, blends of styles and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, when, when did you start like kind of, when did it become a little more serious? Was it after the move to New York or? Yeah. I had, um, a band in, uh, college and I don't know if it got more serious, but I started writing like a little better jokier songs. (laughs) 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 You know, it was like still really like, uh, you know, it's, it's always had like a, a good, like kind of lighthearted, like humor and uh, to it, I guess. But, um, but yeah, I started writing more as, as far as like fleshing things out musically and getting better with like song structure and getting more interesting lyrics and start like infusing different, you know, uh, just at least going for different things um, was in college. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I had a band there. So I was doing that. And then, after college, we tried to give it a go for about a year and it just broke up. And I was like, I don't have a band anymore. I got to figure out what I'm doing. And I started playing solo acoustic in, in New York and just clubs. And that's when it really, like I started seeing other songwriters and felt like, Oh, I got to up my game. <laughs> yeah. Cause this is like a different, a totally different, uh, you know, ball game. When so you were- that was, Oh, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. No, it's okay. That was really at the Sidewalk Cafe. Sidewalk Cafe was the first time I, I was listening to other people who were like really taking songcraft seriously, really taking lyrics seriously, really taking. And it was what I wanted to be doing and started like feeling that like that was an environment where I could do that. And that's probably the first time where songwriting got serious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was, was there anybody else that you were kind of uh, playing around with who people might know? Like, was there anybody else on the at that time? That time? Um, well, it was like rate. Sidewalk Cafe was like, well, Jeffrey Lewis uh, was there. Moldy Peaches were there. Uh, Regina Spector was there, um, you know, but it was kind of at the tail end of, of that, like, yeah. kind of class, I guess. There was kind of like, there were classes. Sure. No, definitely. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. And, uh, and I was playing a lot with um, uh, Brooke Pridemore, who's great, and uh, pre-war, pre-war yard sale was great. Uh, Jay May. Uh, me with Gemini, um, just a lot of great songwriters who I respect and admire and, and still friends with and, you know, very um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. That's awesome. Great. So, so like, um, how, how does all of this kind of lead to, um, bombs over Bristol, which obviously named after the hometown and all. And yeah. Yeah. That led, um, well, I started playing, I started playing uh, Philly, uh, New York at Savo Cafe, and I started playing Philly, really in like Maniunk, and um, and also like the the point. I was playing the point um, a little bit at the fire, but um, really like just in general, I started playing Philly and, and New York, and it was getting to a point where I was like, I need to record and <laughs> I need to put something down. And a friend of mine who at one of the clubs I was playing at, he was the sound guy. Um, was like, look, man, I got, you know, if you don't have a recording or anything, he's like, we can just do it at, at my place and I got a setup. And, you know, uh, luckily his girlfriend is also the greatest person alive because we took over their apartment for like nine months. Oh, wow. <laughs> and made bombs over Bristol um, with bringing in all of our friends and everything that we couldn't play like on our own. We would just bring, bring friends in to like play that part. And it really was just like piecing together like, every uh part of the song that we could either write and play ourselves and then if not bring somebody in 
And that's why that song, uh, that album just has this real like mosaic kind of like feel to it. And that's why it's kind of like the first time in a studio producing anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like piecing it together. Yeah. You, uh, you mentioned playing in Maniunk, uh, Grape, Grape Street. Was that Grape a- Street Pub was a huge, yeah, yeah. That was like, that was kind of like one of my, uh, like home bases. Okay. Yeah. Um, I I see it's, it's so weird because now I'm sitting here going, I want, we probably had to have bumped into each other at some point, sometime. Positive. Yeah. Positive. Yeah. I mean, we're the same age. We were playing the same. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's wild. That's wild. It, it, you know, I, I, I miss it. I miss kind of getting out and, and playing like that, um, in, in my youth, but there's, there's like oh, yeah, no yeah. way to be able to, nah. to, I, I don't even think I could stay up late enough to play some of the sets that I played <laughs> back then, you know? It's like, yeah. It's like, and now at 4 PM, yeah, exactly. your favorite songwriter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so true it's so true oh, but those um, were great man. i mean that yeah that, that whole yeah was, like it it was, it was it was you know it some of my favorite memories are, are absolutely are made there yeah um, and, and lifelong friends like people i'm still yes and collaborators like people i'm still recording and playing with and friends with are all from that you know not all but a lot of them were from that period yeah. So, so when do you start working with like, uh, with like Chuck Treese and stuff like that? Uh, by the way, so, for the record, uh, Chuck has supposed, to, we've been trying to record an interview since May of last year. We've, oh, really? <laughs> it just keeps falling through <laughs> every single time. And every once in a while, I'm like, let me just try Chuck again. And he goes, yes, I'll let we'll him do know. it. He will, he's like, we'll do it this week. And I'm like, all right, we're doing it. And then it falls through again. But yes. Yeah. Um, but so Chuck, well, he's a busy guy, man. That he's guy is very like, busy. Yeah. I found that out very quickly. <laughs> like, yo, can we do this date, this date, this date? He's like, oh, I'm going to be in Brazil and I'm going to be in Japan. And then I'm going to be at like, you know, like Kennedy center. And then I'm going to be at FDR park. But yeah, I could probably do that day. After. <laughs> yeah. Like, he was like, right. he was like, I'm in the car right now, but maybe when I park, I can. And I was like, dude, <laughs> we don't need to do it right now. Like this is yeah. not. <laughs> he's, he's 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 a man he's in demand the man is in demand yeah so how did you get connected uh with, with, uh, with through, through g-love so i was playing oh, okay. uh i was playing um uh, uh grape street in maniac and it started getting to like it, it was great like people were liking bombs over bristol and it started getting like uh, a vibe there was a, a bit of a scene which is cool and g's cousin um was at a show and just loved the loved the set and loved the songs and everything. He had bonds over Bristol, gave it to G. Uh, G brought me out on tour, and it was like the the hustle tour, and it was doing the the Midwest with uh, G Love and Special Sauce, like the um, for, yeah for the hustle tour. And then um, after they were off, like on a break, he was like, "Do you want to record some of the songs that you're doing at the shows that?" we're not on Bob's or Bristol because we were talking about it. So we went to a studio and he's like, I got a drummer who's like, you're going to blow your mind. <laughs> so I was, uh, so we were there and I was in the studio and I was just playing uh, son of it all from, from Northern liberties. And Chuck came in. We never even met. I never like, couldn't see, I was in the booth. Couldn't see him. Couldn't see me. We had headphones on. I was playing he laid the drums down to Northern Liberties. And that is like the track that's on that <laughs> record is like, boom, like, yeah, just out of the, out of the gate. 
Um, so that's, and then we've been playing, you know, playing ever since. That's awesome. That is yeah, so friends cool. And, uh, yeah. And, and a great mentor through music and everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you mentioned, uh, uh, G, I actually mentioned that we were doing this because I'm going to, I'm going to see the two of them on Saturday at the TLA. Um, oh, hell well, yeah. this will be in the past now that I'm thinking about it, but anyway, I, I will <laughs> that Saturday. They were amazing. Um, but I mentioned we do the, and, and he was like, Oh yeah, that's my boy. And blah, blah, blah. Um, but, uh, very cool. Yeah. Like, um, so, so you start working on Northern Liberties and stuff like that. G plays harmonica on, um, beautiful girl in the beautiful yep. car and all that. Um, w- when does, you know, kind of the, cause like, it, is this around the, this is around the same time as like, uh, or, or is this after, uh, the bowling for Columbine thing, uh, ending up? Oh, in- um, I think it was after. Yeah. Cause it's like 2006. Um, yeah. For, I, when I was recording Bombs Over Bristol, I was working on, um, Bowling for Combine. Okay. Yeah. So um, I was like a PA. I was like a production assistant on that movie. Oh, okay. And they were like, we need, we need a song for <laughs> this scene. And it was like, don't you play music? <laughs> don't you play music? It was like, I do. So they had me like write one of the songs up. Uh, and I wrote like a bunch of verses for it. And cause I was still in like songwriting mode. And they were like, it's probably going to be like 15 seconds, 15 seconds long. (laughs) You didn't have to go like, I was like writing bridges, you know, writing, uh, yeah, multiple sessions. Um, that's that's how it came about. Yeah. But that Um, was probably 2000. Uh, I can't remember when that came out, but that was before Northern Liberties. Okay. D, um, is that what what did you go to school for? Did you go for school for, uh, English? No, it was just an English major. And, um, but I, like being in New York, like production jobs kind of fit the like day. I could do them during the day. It was kind of flexible. And then I could continue writing and playing. And, okay. Yeah. So I was doing, I was doing a lot of production stuff. I was, I worked at um, the Queen Latifah show, uh, Change of Heart. I was an audience warm up <laughs> for uh, Change of Heart. It was a dating show. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and production, you know, PA stuff. Okay. That's, that's really, that's really wild. It, you know, it, it, it's, but, but it, I mean, it makes sense. Like the, the, the two kind of go together, you know, it's not, it's not too far out of the, uh, out of the realm or too out, out of yeah. the Yeah. It um, worked because there was a lot of people who were like that age who were, who were doing that. So it would be, as things came up, they would, you would get the call and it's like, can you do this? Can you do this? And yeah, it was cool. Yeah. The, um, it's flexible. It's yeah. So so that so you're recording Northern Liberties, and then shortly after that, we get uh, Unstoppable that we talked about, um, and then um, and then Corporal Spirits. Um, like yeah. you, you know, one of the things that uh, uh, really fascinates me is kind of listening to the growth of what your sound became. Um, and I feel like once you got to Corporal Spirits and, you know, we're going to talk in a little bit about, uh, the chaos and the beauty, the new album. Um, but like, it feels like you finally found like your voice. Um, yeah, is that fair to sure. say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. how do you, how do you think, like, how did that come about? Was it just from playing or, or was it studio based? Like, was it kind of, it was, it's kind of a mixture of both. I, <clears throat> Um, working with Bill was great. Um, and, and we did work through kind of like where his, like where his interests were and where my interests were. 
<laughs> so it was the first time I was kind of like collaborating with a producer and, and trying to find the place where we were both like really excited about the same material. Cause I write third, I write 30 songs, you know, and now I, I do that. I, I did that with this last one with that too. I found that's a good process to kind of like go through it, which is uh, where is, where is that place um, that exists where the music you're making with the person you're making it with, you're both on, on the same page. So with Corporal Spirits, that was very much like our, our overlap, me and Bill uh, Moriarty's kind of like overlap of the music I was running at that time that we we're both excited about. <laughs> yeah. And, and even in there, I had to like, you know, it wasn't always like uh, I had to be like, there were songs that he really wasn't feeling that I had to like fight for and be like, dude, I don't know if you can do it, but you have to do these songs. <laughs> you have to find a way. Yeah. You have to find a way to get excited about these songs. Uh, and the same way he would fight for some other ones that I wasn't so like uh, psyched about. So there was, there was that aspect to it, which was really cool, but it just gave me a like framework to be um, like uh, kind of give me a framework to, one of the, I, I, let me put it this way. I think one of the biggest um, things about departure about that record is that there's no personas. There's all these kind of like personas and trying on different things on, yeah. on the first two records. And that record is just me from the beginning to the end. And so now I've been able to take that. Um, and I think Bill really created an environment where I felt, comfortable doing that in the studio. And then all the musicians also created that environment too. So <clears throat> I think that was the, that's why that record is, is the way it is. So yeah, yeah. It, that's, that's one of the things you mentioned there that kind of caught my ear is, you know, the, him championing kind of things that you weren't as into. Um, like it makes sense to me that you would champion something that like maybe he wasn't just feeling as much, <laughs> but the yeah. other way around, like, how does that, how did, is there a way for you to be able to get excited about something that, that you're well, not focused it's, on? It's definitely easier for me because I love, I love what I'm writing. Like everything I write, I'm really sure excited. I'm excited about it because I see these kind of like possibilities. There's something in each of those songs that interests me. So um, what I found is like, as you're collaborating, when you can find places where the person you're collaborating with, also is is into it um that's where like the best results are, are coming from and that also extends to the band it's like there's um if you're asking people to do something outside of their like comfort level or outside of their like really their what is really driving them artistically you don't get like the best version of that person <laughs> and it's sure. happening with me too. You know what I mean? So, so trying to find that, that space outside of each individual person where you're creating something outside of all of you that you're all excited about. That is what I've realized is where all of that power lies is out there, not in your own kind of like, you know, egotistical, like drive for, for whatever reason you're trying to do something. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, it's absolutely. Like e- egoless. Yeah. It, was t- yeah. it took a little bit like ego death in order to make those records. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, it's like it's like communication. <clears throat> it's like, you know, oh, we're all using the same dialect here and we're all using the same signals and kind of, you know, transmitting on the same wave. Like it yeah. absolutely makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. Um yeah. so so shortly after that, um, you start touring with that, and then all of a sudden you kind of um create an it's always sunny live show. Uh, uh, by accident. Uh... <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing was accidental. It was a bunch of people saying, sure, why not? <laughs> All along the way. It was um, Rob and I go back to high school. Um, he, but they, they just finished uh, Rob McElhinney, who's, who's the, the creator of the show. He, uh, they just finished like season four, I think is when that, uh, uh, Nightmare Cometh is in that season. So I just finished watching it. I, it was like, to me, the funniest episode they ever did. I like, I absolutely yeah. <laughs> like lost it uh, for, you know, and, and the music alone. I just like, I love the music. So <laughs> we were talking, I was coming out to LA a few months later. I asked them if he wanted to sit in and if the cast wanted to sit in and do a couple songs uh, for the show. He said, absolutely. Let's do it. Um, I talked to the troubadour, told him I want to book the show. Uh, the cast of Was Always Sunny is going to do a few of the songs from The Night May Cometh as part of the as part of the night. They they uh, not refused. What is it? They declined. <laughs> they were like not interested. Oh, really? <laughs> so it was like they didn't know. So the guy was like, I don't know who you are, and I don't know who the uh, <laughs> I don't know who the show, right? So I'm not interested. So it was like, okay, so. <laughs> So I was like calling the hotel cafe or whatever was next. Right. It was like, get a call back. And they're like, uh, so it turns out the show is kind of a big deal. <laughs> We're kind of interested in the night. So I was like, okay, cool. <clears throat> so I said, all right, well, it's going to be uh, me. And they're going to be doing some of the songs from the nightmare coming. So they bill it as the cast of it's always sunny. Of course. Yes. Per- performing <laughs> the nightmare, <laughs> the nightmare coming. And then like opener, Don McCluskey. <clears throat> so uh it goes on sale it sells out immediately according to the according to them it was the fastest sellout up until that point in troubadour history it sold oh out oh my like, god <laughs> instantly like it was like it was like it was on sale and it sold out instantly. so then uh <laughs> it went back it got back to fox and they were kind of like you know what it are we doing a show at the Troubadour? Like what is going on? And um, so there was like a little bit of a like kerfuffle over there and to everyone's credit, like Rob, Charlie and Glenn, they were like, let's do it. Like fans bought the tickets. They want to see it. Well, it'll be fun. Like why not, why not do it? So they brought the uh, set designers in the choreographer, you know, choreographers, and they put on like a show that took a lot of work for probably, you know, 500 fans. Um, who lost their minds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just one of the best nights. That is absolutely one of the best nights. Uh, just period. It was great. And um, so that first night was, was awesome. And then the second night they added a second night and, and that was great too. But the first night was just purely fans. It was like wall to wall. Avid sunny fans. It was great. That's unbelievable. How were they, were they receptive to the uh, opening act who they was supposed it. to be playing no, the whole show? <laughs> no, it was great. I, I actually was like, kind of like, 
<laughs> it flipped so much where I was like, do I do a music comedy set? Do I just do the music? So I just played uh, like the music that I was playing at that time. No, it was great. I mean, half of the, well, we had a lot of friends in common and that kind of thing. So it was, it wasn't a total like unfriendly, it, like environment, <laughs> hostile yeah. environment that I was going into. It, uh, so there was still a lot of like people who knew the music. Um, and then everybody who didn't was great. It was just a party. Like the whole night was a party environment. It was great. That's crazy. So then, so then live nation swoops in and they're just like, live hey, nation swoops in. That's <laughs> the most unbelievable story. Like, it's just like, Hey, do you want to stop by? Sure. Here's a tour. Like <laughs> it was, they were like, so what do you think about six cities? You see six cities, all um, the major markets. We would do. <laughs> they did. They, they did a. Uh, I guess in between shooting, they they set up six shows, six on the west coast, six on the east coast, and I did all the east coast shows with them, and it was like it was just surreal. I mean, we were playing like the tower, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, two nights at the tower. Uh, saw that show at the Beacon Theater. And Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It's so. Those were the three shows. It's so bizarre. Um, you yeah. guys, you guys went to St. Joe's together. Um, and I, 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 you know, stayed, stayed friends through all of that. Um, that kind of bond, that kind of like high school friend bond, like, is it, is it, <laughs> yeah. is it hard to do kind of, or I guess it would be fun, but like, is, is it hard to kind of differentiate like, okay, now we have to put this, these shows together and stuff like that? Or no, no, honestly, no, it's really, um, the, the thing that I love about their show and the way that they've, they've really kept creative control the whole time. So from the time they were not famous to now, the environment around that is still very much the same. Like it's very, it's still friends, like, yeah. and, and a pretty small group of people that are just cool and easy to work with <laughs> yeah. and like creative and fun and funny. Like they're, you know, that's, yeah. So, so the answer is no. It's like, it's, it was so, a great time. It was actually like, that's it's actually cool. a lot of fun. It's there, you know, there's stress involved when you're like, you got to put something together really quickly and, and perform it. <clears throat> um, but it was way more fun than it was stressful. It's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, uh, great. yeah. Cause I, uh, you know, like whenever you try to do business together with a friend, you know, like you don't want to, yeah. you don't want to, like, I'm sure you did, had, didn't want to ruin their thing and I'm sure they didn't want to ruin your thing, you know, but, um, no, it's very, yeah. At that, that, that wasn't even, it was like, this wasn't even supposed to happen. This right. is a blast. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is, this is great. Yeah. It's like extra credit. Like it's like, it really was extra credit. Yeah. It was like yeah. the stuff you don't try to do. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so, uh, yeah. you know, not just that, but then, you know, first in flight, uh, ends up in, in mythic quest. <laughs> um, so, yeah. you know, like the continuing to, you know, partner together with your, with your high all school. The way through. Yeah. All the way through it, man. We, we, um, yeah, we, we've done a lot together over the years, which is great. And then this last time he was, uh, whenever he's in New York, he would call, we would hang out. And whenever I'm in LA, same, same thing. So he would, uh, he came by the studio when I was recording the the new record, and heard the, heard the new stuff. You know, probably a year before. So, and then when it was done, I sent him the whole record and called me up and we talked about it. And that was that was that. And then uh, I was back in the studio recording something else. Uh, oh, uh, one of the singles that'll be like after after the record. 
a song called Jigs, Waltzes, and Reels doesn't really matter to the story. <laughs> but I was recording that and uh, I get a text and he's like, hey, can I use First and Flight for the season finale of, <laughs> season finale of uh, Mythic Quest? I was like, yes. I yeah, guess. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And, well, and so then when I talked to him, he's like, I don't even want to like show... He's like, I don't even want to show you any of the slides, anything. He's like, I put it in. He's like, we're looking for an end to the, to the show, to the season. And he's like, we've been trying some other stuff out. <laughs> he's like, I told the editor, can you try this song out? He put it in and I didn't say anything to anybody. And just like, he's like, I knew it was going to be perfect, but I didn't want to, you know, right. I wanted to make sure everybody was. So uh, like, one by one, everybody who's in that process was like, that sounds absolutely like as if it was written for the end of the, of the show. And I was, I was like, okay, that's a cool story. It's a cool story. I'll buy it. And then uh, he's like, I don't even want to show you the thing. So I did end up watching it as it aired. Um, and it could not have fit perf- more perfectly into the plot line, into the moment. And really just uh, everything worked out like beyond what I could have possibly like imagine for the show so that was a cool like synchronicity uh moment and continuing to collaborate with your with your buddy is is a cool thing that is so cool you know yeah. um that song uh the first time i heard it i was i was absolutely like from from just opening guitar licks i was i was in like i was on board that's yeah. it and then i you know i read uh, uh an interview with you i want to say like maybe the philadelphia weekly interview or something like that where you said mm-hmm. you know you were influenced by um uh, uh, Paul Simon and yeah. David Byrne and stuff like, and it, it it was so funny because literally I'm like, oh man, this is like if uh if uh you took uh, Graceland and nothing but flowers and just kind of right. mashed them up together, and yeah. then like, and then I read that quote and I was like, oh, okay, by design, like you know, yeah, one hundred percent. But and since we are the same age, we were absorbing the same content. You know, like in the there was that period in the '80s where there were these songwriters coming out of the '70s who were still writing like, I just crazy, uh, lyrically, just really cool, imaginative, like songwriting that was a holdover from the seventies. And then they were like infusing it in all this pop of the, of the eighties into like dance music and world music. And that is where all that uh, is inspired from for this, for this record. There's a lot of that kind of like uh, feel in this record. Definitely one one yeah. four five another one that just like uh, absolutely yeah. has that kind of flavor to it. I love it, yep. man. Like I absolutely yeah, love it. And you know, one of the things that I also in the research pulled out was um, you did this all live to tape. And w- yes. like, what was was what was the decision behind that? Because I think part of what so, attracts me to it is that kind of feel. Like it, it now it doesn't sound processed you know right um, and that was the other thing it was like trying to uh get the like <laughs> the word warmth is so overplayed when, it's so, when you're talking about uh, recording the, to to tape or listening to vinyl or anything there really is this kind of mechanical um and uh, transference of energy that goes on what when people are playing it live in the room and it goes to tape that i cannot explain i don't know if there's scientific <laughs> anything behind it but it moves me differently so we wanted to capture that uh feeling so we recorded all the basic tracks um me uh, uh Devin greenwood the producer chuck Staub, uh the drummer 
the three of us recorded everything uh, live to tape. And then we did overdub, but everybody who overdubbed, uh, <clears throat> we were just trying to get like long, uninterrupted performances. So it's just not, so it has that flow. It just has that um, energy, transference of energy from the people playing to the people listening and just know nothing in between, trying to get as little in between the people making music, people listen to it. And I feel like we did it. <laughs> yeah, you know, you said there's no, you know, uh, not sure if there's a scientific thing to it, but I think it, it it is like kind of, it kind of goes back to that communication, right? Because like when you're kind of Frankensteining pieces digitally and stuff like right. that, like I don't think, like there's, there's natural things that occur that you just can't replicate uh, when you're yeah. when you're kind of doing that and um, absolutely uh, is, yeah so think my, it, go. Uh, no you got <laughs> like, almost like brush strokes you know what I mean like it's almost like when you're really like playing on tape like the uh, the dynamics and everything that you're playing with are all so much more uh, I'm, I'm much more sensitive to it listening to music that's just recorded to tape by people playing a lot yeah. Um, so my follow-up question to that is, and I understand that post-pandemic, it, it's a, a, a scarcity right now, but are, are you doing a vinyl of this release? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So it's going to be, the the digital is going to come out on uh, March 11th because that can come out now, essentially. But <laughs> vinyls is probably six months yeah. uh, behind. So that'll be at some point in the summer going to do a vinyl drop and probably um, one or two more singles that were not on the record, but that'll come out with the vinyl. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> with uh, Grace Vonderkoon, but we sh had her on the show um, recently. And sh so her album came out last year. She's already starting to work on the next album and the yeah. vinyl for the last album isn't supposed <laughs> to show up until like halfway through this year. And I was like, that's uh, like, everything is so messed up right now. Everyone. It's like, no matter what industry or anything you're in, you are waiting for something to like be delivered. <laughs> yeah, you're waiting I, you know, for some raw material or some finished product to arrive from somewhere. Yeah, My, my Clark Kent day job is um, uh, I kind of partially run a, um, a shipping department for a, for a wholesaler. Oh, and so, uh, you know. so yeah. I like, yes, I, I can't tell you the amount of like cancellations that I have to go through every day yeah. just because, you know, moving things around this, this this world right now um is is like, almost impossible <laughs> it's like the uh it needs like the benny hill theme song yeah. over the whole transportation system <laughs> yeah except for it's not moving that fast <laughs> right, yeah. i wish i wish it moved that fast um yeah. but speaking of that global disruption like uh what was your pandemic life like because you started this pre-pandemic right or pre at the start yeah. Of, or <clears throat> yeah um it was trying to uh, it, it interrupted the reporting like fully, totally for two months. Um, and then, and then it was like smaller, you know, we could only get together with like pods. So it'd be like me and, and Dev and then maybe me and Dev and one other person who was going to be recording for, um, so it just made everything that was already, um, you know, it was a, a long process to begin with and it just made it longer <laughs> yeah yeah certainly so, yeah. um and, but you... i did do some shows like uh i did some zoom you know like <laughs> zoom concerts um which were like just felt great 
because it was such a strange, weird moment to just be suddenly disconnected from everyone physically um, and not be able to, I, I had like a show at the locks, I think that, that weekend, right? But the weekend, the whole world shut down. And even leading up to it, it was like, oh, why don't you come out? And, you know, we'll, <laughs> like, still like thinking it was not, not that serious, I guess. Um, and then it was like, everything shut down and everyone, it was like a musical chairs, that feeling. Mm-hmm. And everybody was just inside and uncertain and so much, so chaotic and like not a lot of like great <laughs> leadership. <laughs> to be like (laughs) what is going on yeah so it just felt like really dark and um to be able to like connect with everybody through uh doing some zoom concerts and just um hanging out and kind of doing like happy hours (laughs) for like two two hours or so two three hours every week i was doing it for for the first couple months and it felt good. It just felt like uh, it definitely lifted my spirits. I've talked to people since and everybody, you know, we've all expressed the kind of the same thing. It was just like, it felt great to be able to do that. So that was, that was an interesting part of. Uh, yeah. The, you know, the pandemic, uh, one of the things I feel like it really did is, um, you know, you, we, we were talking a little, just a little ago about ego is like, I feel like because, you know, um, musicians were, in their home and stuff like that and and able to just kind of direct seemingly directly connect in the same manner that you know people are having meetings or talking to their family and stuff like that i feel like one of the very few beneficial things of the pandemic is that it brought people's love of music kind of closer um absolutely and 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 made it more personal yeah Yeah, absolutely um it like went from like entertainment to like nourishment, like spiritual nourishment. That's what it felt like for me. Like absolutely. music became a very essential part of the, the pandemic for that reason. It was like yeah. spiritual nourishment. I did I did a bunch of streams myself and like it was like um you know, I had someone tell me um like uh recently they were like, uh, you don't understand, you know, you're not some big, huge guy or anything, but you don't understand how important it was that like Friday night I knew, oh, Nate's going to do a stream and we're all going to be able to sit around and drink and just listen to some music. He's like, I put you up on the big screen and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, and, and I, and I had to tell him, I'm like, you don't understand how important it was for me that like, you know, cause I was going stir crazy. It's kind of how all of this started was just because I was like, I have to do something. I can't play out anymore. So this yeah. is what I do now, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Is that when this started? That is, is that when, when the yeah. That's yeah. great. Um, it, yeah. it, it was originally live streams. And then I was like, wait a minute, all these other people are doing live streams. Well, maybe I could talk to them, you know, like, and that's great. That's really yeah. how all this, you know, um, jumped off, if you will. Uh, but- well, that's the other thing, man. I think a lot of, a lot of things changed for everybody. It, it, it was like a reshuffling of the deck in a lot of ways, things that were like, maybe, I, I don't know, everybody reevaluated. It was a moment of reevaluation for the world. It felt like. Yeah. Um, did, did that time, did that time, um, working on the album, did, could you feel it changing anything? Like, do you think the album's tighter because of it or? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> well, I, we were pretty, we were in a good place with it, um, to begin with just as far as like intent, you know, it was, we, it was already, um, it, it was already like 
in a pretty good place. But I do, I'm trying to think if anything really changed um, because of that, the way we were recording or anything, if, if anything just made it harder. Yeah. 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 Just made it harder. Well, you know what? Here's, here's something that was interesting. A lot of the lyrics that I was writing um, and the music that we were writing really started to like feel more relevant um, during the pandemic. It was a lot, there's a lot of uh, themes on, you know, one theme throughout the record is like trying to find real reasons to be hopeful, (laughs) joyful, loving, find real positivity and like real uh, meaningful positivity in your life in with nothing externally to give you any reason to think that that is <laughs> right. validated. Valid. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or valid. So I, I was already kind of like grappling with that throughout this whole record. Um, and those themes are, are in there. And then it, it, you know, ends up kind of being that music is one of those things for me. Um, the people that I make that the music make it with the people I make it for the relationships in my life that inspire that music um, are the things that are, are worth living for. And then all of a sudden it became the reality where it was like, man, it really is this stark. And this really is the thing that I am doing (laughs) that's giving me meaning and purpose through this really bleak, terrible time. So that I think was the most, you know, uh, became apparent uh, during during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, we were kind of talking before all this about, um, you know, live shows coming up. Have you, have you, um, played any of this stuff live? Like, uh, or, yeah. uh, how's, yeah. how's the connection, uh, uh there? It's, it's so fantastic. Good, right. It's yeah. Great. Cause I, I mean, mean the like, energy yeah. of it is just so good that like, I, 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 I would love to see what a crowd does with this because yeah, it, it works on that level. Something I mean, hard. so far, it just feels like. It feel, like I've also kind of been thinking about this record. It feels like secular. A lot of it feels like secular Catholicism. <laughs> it's like a lot of the, a lot of the things that I loved about church um, without the church. <laughs> yeah. So it was like getting together with people, music, community, trying to, you know, find elevated, high minded things to celebrate and celebrate each other and be in each other's like presence and all that. I, I always love about church. And then uh, I feel like, I, I don't know, it feels um, a great positive energy around this record and performing this record um, that feels uplifting in, in the way that I would get. Definitely. It's, 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 it's like, uh, it's like just what the doctor ordered coming out of, you know, the hellscape that we just, <laughs> that we yeah. just went through. Like it definitely, it feels good. And like, that's uh, just, I feel like what is needed is just like that good, good feeling. Um, yeah. Just positive energy. It just is like, yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of, you know, like uh, the I said that this podcast kind of started in the pandemic, but I, I had this idea for this website and it was literally um, based off of the tagline that I have here, which is uh, displace the guilt, embrace the pleasure. Like I just there's so much negative stuff in the world and so much trying to avoid like things that you like and things that you love. And I just right. wanted a place where everyone could just like just be like man i love that i like this you know and unabashedly like unabashedly exactly. love the things that you love yeah 
And, 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 you know, um, that kind of positivity, like I said, is, I just feel like needed right now. And like, I definitely, yeah. definitely not just love, but also appreciate this album that you put together. Um, thank you so much, man. That, that means a lot. Thank you. You, um, you, you said you're taking up a residency at uh Fergie's coming up here. When does yeah, that start? So, so I have, well, I was going to say I have a show, but I don't, it's in the it, past. It'll be, it'll be in the past. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I am doing, I'm, I'm talking to Fergie's right now. We we're looking for a spot to get the record just cooking as a band. Cause it's eight piece band and we're rehearsing it a lot, but we'd rather, you know, do it live and do it at a residency and just get the repetitions like with, with everybody <laughs> and, uh, and do it in front of, you know, a small group of friends and fans and family and anybody who wants to come. So we're going to do that at Fergie's, um, I think it's every other Monday starting February 21st. So this will be, the, I think the first. So that was last Friday fourth. or last, last Monday. So then, the, yeah. so next Monday, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. Yeah, next Monday. <laughs> it'll head be, up uh, to Fergie's. What is that? Sam, Sansom, right? Uh, maybe March 4th. Yeah. It's like, uh, is it 13th and Samson? Samson? That sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, um, anybody, anybody who listened or um, who, um, knows that um i shared the uh, sweet and sour performance uh on the youtube channel um that was recorded at fergie's guys so like uh oh cool <laughs> so uh make sure you know you come check don out there man like uh, i'm, I'm excited it's one of my about... favorite places in philadelphia i'm fergie's is yeah yeah Did, um was that was that one of your spots back in the uh back in the it's day? just always been one of my favorite places to drink I haven't. I think if I ever played that, I um. Well, Allie uh, Wasworth, who's on the record, used to bartend there for a long, for a long time. She's a fantastic singer, and also just held court uh, upstairs for the longest time. My cousin Kevin plays there regularly. Plays Irish sessions uh, there. Kevin McCluskey as well. So uh, I've gone to see shows there, and I have done my fair share of drinking there i think this is the first time i'm actually performing oh nice nice yeah oh it's a great room it's such a great room and it's it, you know it's it's intimate and it's it's, it's a hang. Uh, i it's definitely a hang and and yeah. this music is going to melt wall the walls yes uh, i love it i know i'm so excited about it. yeah it's gonna be great all right, you gotta well, come like, by. I'm oh, trust I will be there at least one Excellent. night. Um, it is a work night though, you know. I'm. A, it is a work night, <laughs> but we're trying to take it. it it's it's right in your hours though, man. I think it's like six thirty to eight thirty. So we're oh sure my god, good. dude, I'm yeah. there. That is perfect. <laughs> yes, now we're talking. Yeah. yeah, dude, I'm an old man. I can't hang. I, I'll, admit, <laughs> no. I'll be the first yeah. to admit it. It's fine. It's fine. No, it's all good, man. Um, at this time, would you like to sit through the jauntlet? These are the questions that I ask every single guest who comes yeah, through so. this door. Uh, it starts so. with the one-hit wonders, which is just a name. They're not really one-hit wonders, but uh, oh, yeah. I, I had to explain that to a guest uh, two episodes ago. He was like, <laughs> he was like, Billy Joel and Elton John, they're not one-hit wonders. I was like, oh, let, me, let me walk you through this here. Um, but anyway, so the one-hit wonders. Like, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're just picking one. So it's the one-hit. Eh, it's just yeah. a play on words. That's good. Um, but the first one, Billy Joel or Elton John? Who do you, who do you take? Uh, I gotta go. I gotta go Billy Joel. Yeah. I gotta I go Billy Joel. East Coast thing. Uh, yeah. You know, it was, <laughs> I, I have come to appreciate the fact that Elton John is better, <laughs> but I have so much, uh, history and love for Billy Joel's entire, I like everything he's ever written, uh, listen to it 
Are these supposed to be quick, by the way? Uh, you take your time. <laughs> like, uh, I got, as long I'll as you got nowhere to be, oh, you take as long as you want. <laughs> no, I'm good. Billy Joel, Billy Joel, I got to say, is the one. I, but I did see both of them at the uh, vet, vet stadium. They oh, did the, the, Billy the Joel Dylan? and Elton John. Yeah. Oh, and it was like the American flag and the British flag. They did each did a set and then each did one of each other's songs. So That's and, awesome. I didn't have to choose that night. You know what I mean? I feel like I feel like <laughs> I feel like uh, super shows like that don't happen anymore because of festivals and all. But like, yeah. uh, man, that that the, what a what a lineup that is! Like, it was mega. Yeah, it was great. That's epic. Uh, number two, Debbie Harry or Joan Jett? Debbie Harry or Joan Jett? Oh, uh, Debbie Harry. Yeah, I love Joan Jett. Yeah, I love Joan Jett, and I love the attitude and I love the music. But Debbie Harry was like. I love that period in New York, like nineteen late seventies, yeah. where it was it was like hip hop, uh, punk, and disco is all going on at the same time. And Debbie Harry was like in the middle of all all of it. Yeah. yeah. So that to me is like she's top, top, top. There's something I've been trying to wrap my brain around recently, and uh, my it, I just cannot, I can't do it. And that is that when we were growing up, the distance between. Um, that period in New York and, and where we were, um, is less of a period of time than the (laughs) difference between like now and Seattle, like like half the amount of time. And my brain just cannot, I feel like a lot of changed. I mean, we could probably talk about just that for a whole nother podcast, but I think between 77 and like 84, musically culturally style wise um so much had happened in those seven years and now lots of things happen like technologically right but it doesn't feel like the music's changing at all no like you know you can hear like even at, in, uh, some, in some regards yeah 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 like you know um i i mentioned that i dj and stuff like um i can play a song from 2000 that will fit in seamlessly with a song that just came <laughs> totally, out two weeks exactly. ago. Whereas, yeah. you know, and that's, that's 20, that's 22 years, you know, and yeah. you know, the, but the difference of like, you know, um, like a stone, like a stone song and then like, um, Michael Jackson, you know, like, it's right. just like we, we jumped so new far. Wave. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. New wave, like hair metal, uh, metal, <laughs> uh, everything i mean like what was going on with electronica dance music um yeah yeah like from like craft work to like to like chemical brothers whereas you could play a right. chemical brothers song right now and it would fit right at, you know but if you played like craft work in 91 like people would be like what is going on yeah <laughs> like yeah oh it's 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 it, yeah like you said it's a worm it's a wormhole of a conversation it's a wormhole, but- <laughs> for sure for sure um so Debbie Harry, that's the okay. Answer. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh, next one: Aretha Franklin or Tina Turner? Uh, Aretha. Oh, Aretha Franklin. Yeah, yeah, Aretha Franklin is just one of my just favorite people to listen to sing, and I love her version of um, um, "Just Say a Little Prayer for You." I just oh heard God. that the other day, and that's like, yeah, that song is is fantastic. And "Baby, Baby, Baby," and just everything she ever sang. Yeah, <laughs> just a, a an absolute treasure. Um, yeah. The next one, speaking of the, oh, I just hit my computer. Speaking of, speaking of the '90s, Nirvana or Pearl Jam? Um, I actually do love both of those bands, but it's Nirvana by a long, a long shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, Kurt Cobain you know, changed 
the way everyone thought about music period yeah i mean like i feel like you can look at pictures probably from our yearbooks of the day before nevermind broke <laughs> and the day after and it'll look like yes. two entirely different classes you know yes. like yeah he it, brought punk rock energy we didn't even know you know we didn't that was the one thing that wasn't on the radio it was like rock right. was there classic rock everything but we were so far removed from punk rock energy in popular rock and roll formats, like period. And when that song came out, it was like, it was on. Everybody was moshing. The next day it was like, everybody's yep. clothes were ripped. <laughs> it was like the party was on. And it felt like we finally had like a defining uh, youth, like culture that was not the eighties. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I will say there is one thing that I hold against Kurt Cobain and it may not be fair, um, but I feel like he may have killed the guitar solo. He All definitely right? did. And I'm actually for it. You're for it? <laughs> I miss like theatrical guitar solos. Like it just I doesn't have, happen anymore. <laughs> I have like 10 that I just like, when I hear them, they like, I absolutely love them. But there was, there was getting to a period in, it was lazy songwriting where, yeah. where it was basically saying like, okay, we're going to do verse, chorus, verse. There's going to be a, a bridge <laughs> that no one cares about. It's like the most forgettable guitar solo uh, that everyone's going to have to sit through and endure. And that was the end of that. And when he yeah. did solo, what's funny is he does solo. He, yeah. But he just does the melody line. That's right. And that's it. <laughs> I will say I, I do appreciate it because that's the one thing I could never do. Like, I could never solo. Like, I could never. Right, right. It just wasn't there. My fingers just wouldn't do it. Like, I'm a rhythm player, you know, but, and, but I can play Nirvana solos. Like, <laughs> And again, he made it like rock and roll accessible again to like for us, where it was like, oh, you can just pick up and rock. Like, you could turn it up and write a great, <laughs> write a great song and rock which is kind of what happened with punk when Prague, everything became about virtuosity yeah. and, and punk was like, no, it's for, it's every man's you know, music. With and that's every, what happened with, yeah. That's what happened yeah. with Kurt. It's I don't fantastic. Know. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Janis Joplin or Stevie Nicks? Uh, Janis Joplin or Stevie Nicks, let's think. Oh, Stevie Nicks. Yeah, yeah. Stevie Nicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, uh, yeah, just adore her as a, like songwriter and, and musician and human being. She's just fantastic. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. All uh, uh, yeah. The big one, the Beatles or the stones. Beatles or stones. It's Beatles and it's not even close. Oh, oh no. Is that, is, is that stones hate? <laughs> no, it's not. No, I just, uh, no, I do kind of, um, I, <laughs> I don't even like the fact that they're still compared because now, it was like, it made sense when, if you took the, the seven years that the Beatles were making music and you took seven years that the Stones were making music, it wouldn't even be close. Right. You would just be like, it's, there's clearly one band and, and, and one that's impersonating the other band. It was like, <laughs> so when the, when the Beatles ended, the Stones really became the Stones. And that band is fantastic. That band's amazing. Stones all through the 70s, all through like the 80s, and, you know, and now continuing to be just like the most right. undeniable legacy rock band of all time. That's, that's clearly in their category, but yeah. when they were both making music and they were both like actually producing music that was creating culture, it's not even close. They're not even in the same league. 
Okay, now, so I, I picked the stones when I did this myself, okay? And, oh, okay. and, and everybody who listens to this podcast is like, oh, here he goes again. But uh, let, me, let me just g- give you my selling point. If, and that is, okay, that is yeah. the Beatles series of geniuses who I think of as individual people. Whereas yeah. when I think of the stones, I never individually think of like Keith or Mick or That's Charlie right. or any of those guys. I think of them as a band. So when sure. I think of, you know, Beatles or the stones, I'm not thinking of content as much as I am just the band itself. Um, yeah. So that's that's how I lie to myself and say that the Stones are better. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the other thing. Even as a band, when they were a band, when the Beatles well, were actually a band, yeah, they were the, better than the Stones. Well, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you may have seen, you may have, seen, you may have made me break my own my own, uh, my own rules. I'll just continue to lie to myself. It. Just let me have this. Uh, you have it. Have it. Go for it. <laughs> Uh, the last one hit wonder, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody or Stairway to Heaven? Oh, Bohemian Rhapsody is probably one of my favorite songs of all time. So I, it's Stairway. I love, I love that song when it comes to the end. How are you not, you know, yeah, obviously just like losing your mind, but, um, Bohemian Rhapsody, I don't think there's, it's like, if, if the, <laughs> if the one world order were to happen, it's like the only song all of humanity could be like, that is our national <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that. I believe that 100%. Now, what's really funny about this um, is uh, someone brought this up recently. They were talking about Wayne's World and, you know, Wayne's World comes up a lot and all, and all this. But I totally forgot that um, he stopped Stairway in uh when when they're trying to play the guitar that he wants right and the guy's like and he gets the no stairway denied so yeah, now right. i wonder if is there an alternate universe where they rock out to stairway to heaven and he tries to play bohemian rhapsody and they stop bohemian Ra- <laughs> right where then right. stairway becomes the biggest song ever right? bohemian <laughs> denied that's right yeah yeah rhapsody denied yeah 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 there's the alternate universe there i like that that's good yeah i like that universe Um, all right this last (laughs) section is the top 10 countdown in this i use john uh uh, as freely as we do in this area and i know you are more than uh well versed with that john so that's exactly right. So, but again, you can, if you want to make this music, you can make it music. If you want to make it whatever you want, you just run with whatever you need it to be. Um, okay. Again, you're not being judged. Uh, so uh, there are no <laughs> wrong answers. Number one, what was your first John when you were a kid? What was the first thing you were obsessed oh, with? Oh, like my first John. Um, oh, man. Well, if it's, oh, man. If it's, it's a really good question. If it's music, it's uh, oh, it's, it's got to be Mickey's Mickey's Monkey is was the first song on uh, Smokey Robinson's greatest hits, and that song when it came out was like, "Ah, right, is everybody ready?" That was the first song where I was like, oh, the party is happening." Um, so that is probably that's probably my first John. I like it. John. I yeah. like it. That's amazing. That is such a good song too. Oh, it's oh, the best. It's, it's such a good song. <laughs> all that Motown stuff. The call like, response too. All of that. That was the first time I heard all of yeah yeah just call and response, and it felt like we, you were in the party. It was like maybe one of the first live tracks um, that I heard that was like that. Smoking. <laughs> perfect. Perfect answer. Yeah. Uh, number two. What's your current John? What are you into right now? Current John. Uh, a song I am absolutely, I just cannot get out of my head is uh, Wuthering Heights, Kate Bush. Kate Bush? <laughs> yes. Nice. 
Uh, and I don't know if it's my, yeah, it is my job, but it's just also like, I just cannot, it, it's like haunting, haunting me. Um, you have to try to find, um, and I'm sure it's out on YouTube. It might even be on Spotify or anything like that. But um, um, if I remember correctly, Nate Roos from Fun was in a band called The Format. And uh, I believe the format did a cover of Wuthering Heights, oh, I, no I, unless he did it solo. But anyway, I'm pretty sure it was when he was in the format. And um, for some reason, his voice hits it perfectly. And um, nice. But that is such a beautiful song. <laughs> like that is just yeah, and a, so odd. I yes. mean, there's so much. Yeah, the the, the time, the, the fact that it's about Wuthering Heights. Yeah, yeah everything. The, the register she's singing, everything about it is just fantastic. And also, it. great guitar solo on the way out. There it is. See, uh, no thanks to Kurt. Um, now uh, the uh, um, n- this is in the past for anybody listening to this, but just today they announced the nominees uh, for the Rock Hall of Fame again this year, and Kate Bush uh, nominated. Um, oh, so hopefully amazing. this is the year. Hopefully, way overdue. Absolutely, so Long many, yeah. so many. This was actually the first batch of nominations uh, where not one person on there did I really go, ah, oh, that fucking person. Like, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. every single person, I was like, oh yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. You're like, they're not in yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Except for <laughs> yeah, Eminem, yeah. like, except for Eminem. Oh, but okay, yeah. the majority of that isn't even that I don't think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm just like, think of everybody who's not in the Hall of Fame, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but but. Oh. Yeah, whatever. Uh, number three, what was your first <laughs> concert? What was the first live show you went to see? Uh, <laughs> I'm going. I'm going heavy with Smokey Robinson and the Miracles today. But it was the first show, first concert I went to. Was really? Uh, oh, that's awesome. Valley Forge, yeah, Valley Forge uh, Music Music Fair Center. Yeah, yeah. Has circular stage. Uh huh. And he was so badass. It was great. That's cool. Uh, what What year? Yeah. Do you remember? Or I was around. A kid. I mean. Uh, 80s i um, yeah i was single digits okay that's cool that <laughs> is so yeah. cool yeah. very nice uh number four what was your last concert what was the last show you went to see last concert was um to live Quilly at the uh brooklyn ball yes very yeah. nice yeah, how was, was that that show? was like the first it was great it was the first show i went to like post like pandemic new york um it was great. I mean, he's he's fantastic. Bam is fantastic. The crowd <laughs> could have been a little more like I, I don't know. It was just a little more. It was like it was. I was like, does anybody know these songs? Like no, the crowd yeah. was like not that. Yeah, yeah. Crowd was like that. I'll tell you what, I've been to a few shows, uh, I keep saying post-pandemic, like we're out of it, but whatever, uh, post, but, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, post like shutdown, like lockdown. Right. Like um, yeah. and, uh, people are just fucking weird now. Like they're just weird yeah. and they don't yeah, yeah, know yeah, what yeah. to do. I think um, it but, was a lot of that. It's just weird energy, like yeah. socially period. Yeah. yeah. Like I went to a show one time, um, and it, I felt like every single person around me was going, should we be here? I don't think we should be here. Like, it was like, <laughs> like one of those things. Yeah. Like, did I make a mistake? I think I'm <laughs> but we're here now so i guess we just have to live with it there's definitely a lot of nervous energy going on. yeah <laughs> uh number five what was your favorite concert favorite concert um probably favorite concert memory i saw a uh, radiohead okay mm. computer tour at the will turn in la and that was amazing like memory wise but maybe my favorite concert I just saw them two years ago at MSG and it was a better, it was a better show. I mean, they're, they're like absolutely hands down my favorite live band to see right now. 
Awesome. Did you um? Have you heard the the smile yet? The side project. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. Oh wait, that's uh, Johnny Greenwood and um. It's the two. It's just Tom York and Johnny Greenwood. Yeah, and, I saw um, it and I haven't listened to it yet. No. It uh. So I didn't even know it existed. And then um, I was talking to uh, Matty Lowell from Low Moon, and he was like, oh, you haven't heard about this? And I was like, dude, the second we're done this interview, I'm going to go listen to that song. And, yeah, and yeah. like, I, I, it is phenomenal. It sounds like it sounds like like OK Computer Era Radiohead. It's like so good. And that's I'm everything. I'm listening as soon as we're done with this interview. There it is. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. See, I paid it forward. God, there you go. <laughs> Now they should no, do me the great. favor and come on the show. But uh, yes, definitely check that out. It sounds so good. It sounds so good. Uh, number six, who have you never seen live that you wish you would have? They can be living or dead. Um, I'm going to say Prince because I will never see him. And I wish I did. Same. Same. Yeah. I, uh, I, 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 I love to tell this story, but my parents bought me a ticket in 84 to go with them to the Purple Rain tour and then found out about the stage show and sold that ticket. So like I oh, had wow. a chance to go in the prime to see with the revolution and uh, they took that from me. But now they're both <sighs> dead. So who wins? <laughs> oh, man. That, was, that was a terrible joke, but... <laughs> Also, I did not kill them. Uh, I appreciate uh, yeah, uh, cancer and alcoholism did that, but uh, okay. Let's just... Oh man! <laughs> Look, I sometimes have to heal the pain with humor. It's, okay? it's usually me taking myself. It's the, I'm just like so great to be on the other side of it. You know, it's like oh, it's usually me making these. Yeah. Oh God! All right. Uh, to my sister, who, if she is listening to this, I apologize. Uh, anyway, was, she knows you better than you know she yourself. Know me. Yeah, She's yeah. like, yo, he's, here he goes again. Uh, number number seven. Name an unappreciated John. Name something you wish had more uh, shine on it. Uh, unappreciated John. Um, oh man, what do you think? Uh, that's tough. I don't know. I think <laughs> I know a lot of singer songwriters whose music is great and uh is under, underappreciated but i'm trying to think of something i had like like one song or one artist but um uh mm, i'm gonna have to pass i can't think i okay, can't okay. think of one like i'm gonna i'm gonna slide yeah. you on you ready i'm gonna i'm gonna right. do you a favor i'm gonna slide uh okay. how about, about ally ally's a really good uh ally wadsworth yeah there you go that's oh, a perfect dude, answer I Perfect answer. <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what? I actually have one. I actually have one. Wait, wait, wait. Um, I can't think of the name. Oh, ready? Underappreciated John. Is that what we're doing right now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say the most underappreciated John right now is Surface Noise by Devin Greenwood, the producer on this record. He put out a single last year, and it is absolutely phenomenal. It's a great song, a great recording. And a great video that uh, he cut up from this animator, and I can't think of the animator's name, but all of those things are worth checking out, the song and the video. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. There's my homework. That's exactly what I'm going to check out <laughs> as soon as this is done. Uh, nice. num number eight, and I know this is a challenging one, uh, what's your favorite album? Ooh, favorite album is kind of tough. I go back to, uh, let me think like full album from beginning to end living with ghosts. I've listened to a lot, which is, um, <laughs> Patty Griffin. Oh yeah. I love that record. Um, I love the Soviet kids record, uh, Regina Spector. I've listened to that one 
front to back. I love them. Um, uh, Neutral Milk Hotel used to be one that I would listen to beginning to end. Like, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, I'll come yeah. to those three for now. That's perfect. Those are yeah. uh, phenomenal answers. <laughs> yeah. No argument here on any of them. Okay, cool. Um, number nine. Um, also, if I did argue, what am I going to tell you? Like, nope, sorry, wrong answer. <laughs> you, you, you can't like those. Come on. What, what are we doing? <laughs> those are not your favorite albums. Yeah. And you would probably be right. I would be like, just give me a second to think about it. <laughs> um, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number nine, name an artist whose output you will consume anything they release, even if you have to be apologetic for it. Um, so is my favorite album. <laughs> no, I'm so, okay, sorry. Uh, I have been listening to that one from the back, by the way, all the time, like a lot. Recently. Also, Kate Bush on that album. Also, Kate Bush on that album. Yeah. And also, kind of the singer songwriter who had done four albums and then put out a pop record. Yeah. Um, experimental records. Okay. Beck. Beck is someone who everything he puts out. I love it. It's always good. It's always interesting. It's always something new and fresh and he's always trying things out. And I just like his, uh, everything songwriting and totally. And, yeah. Also a nominee for the rock hall of fame this year. Excellent. Yeah. Well also way overdue. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that it, 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 I, I find to be very unappreciated about Beck is, um, do you remember that series of albums he released where he just did like full album covers of other artists' work? Um, it was probably oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. 10 yes. years ago yeah, or so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That stuff was so good. And yeah. like, I feel like we just kind of let it disappear. Like, uh, <laughs> like no, <laughs> and, I, well, and I, <laughs> it's so weird. It's yeah. one of those things that, like, every once in a while, like, uh, I, I still have my old iPod um, because, of course, I don't get rid of things. And, and like, I a song will come on shuffle. Everything. Yeah. yeah, of course. Uh, but, like, one of the songs will come on shuffle uh, uh, from that project. And I'm just like, oh, my God, why why are we not talking about this every day of our lives? Like, he just recorded full albums of other people's stuff. <laughs> that, yeah, that's true. It's that, so does not, that does not get any, uh, that does not get the love that it deserves. Exactly. Unappreciated John. There you go. Look, I, th I think you know. another unappreciated John. Yeah. Uh, the 10th and final of the top 10 countdown. What is your favorite John of all time? Again, it doesn't have to be music, but it can be. It can be whatever you want it to be. Favorite John of all time? Man. Park roll, bro. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's so true. It's so true. You know, my girlfriend didn't have pork yeah. roll until like uh, we got together. And I was like, how did you make it through your life in this area having bread <laughs> pork roll? It's the most phenomenal. Like, you can't have a bad piece of pork roll. It just it is impossible. <clears throat> I, I thought it was just breakfast meat. It's not. No. It's it's any time of the day. Any time of the day a pork roll sandwich is going to cure what ails you unless what ails you is heart problems <laughs> i love it i love it all right so uh coming up in the horizon we got the uh the residency at fergie's and then the uh album release on the 11th um the second single just came out i'm now doing the backwards math again two yeah. weeks ago right it's yep. coming out this friday right yeah two weeks ago uh yep. what what was the single again uh unbecoming unbecoming that's right that's right. so as of right now first of flight is out Oh, Holy Night uh, is out and Unbecoming. 
is up. Very nice. Very yes. nice. Uh, if these good folks would like to find <clears throat> you on the internet, what is the best way to track you down? Um, Spotify to listen, Instagram to follow. Um, yeah. And website, sign up. Actually, the email list on the website is the most direct communication. That's like you, I, and I don't, I don't spam anybody. So that's a good thing. I just write it. I just write a nice note <laughs> once a month and say, this is what's going on. Um, so that's probably the best way. That's perfect, Don. Thank you so yeah. much for coming on here today. Man, and what a pleasure. This was great. Um, it was, I hope it was you nice fun. To, nice to talk to you. We probably, I was going to say meet you, but we probably met many, many times. I really feel like we ever. did. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we had to have uh, cohabited the same uh, space at some point in our- Same green room at some point in, uh, in Maniac, I'm sure. Yeah. Some, I'm going to have to go dig up all of the old, because uh, I, 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 I'm a scrapbooker, all of the old things and see if we ever actually played on a show together, because that would be even funnier too. Uh. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. My thanks again to Don McCluskey for joining me on the podcast today. If you want to find Don on the internet, you can check out his website at www.donmccluskey.com for info and links to all of his socials. His new album, The Chaos and the Beauty, will be out on March 11th, and the first two singles, First in Flight and Unbecoming, are available now on all streaming services. If you're in the Philly area, you can check him out at Fergie's Pub every other Monday where he has a residency through March. Check out www.fergies.com for dates and details. I'll be there for the one on March 7th, so come say hi. And be sure to check out Don's interview on the 25 O'Clock Podcast with friend of the pod, Dan Drago. Do it! If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the Yo! That's My John podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And look, I don't need to tell you where you find podcasts. You're already listening to this one, so subscribe here. Wherever this is that you're listening to this right now, just hit subscribe. And while you're there, it's not too late to earn yourself a super awesome John Scout merit badge for citizenship of the world just by rating and reviewing us. Don't forget to visit www.yothatsmyjohn for articles, merchandise, and links to all of the previous episodes of this podcast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yothatsmyjohn for updates and live streams. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at yothatsmyjohn and search Yo That's My John on the YouTube to find the Yo That's My John YouTube channel. Like and subscribe the heck out of that ish. We want to hear from you. Reach out, reach out, and touch some John. Look, I know that's a lot. I ask a lot of you, and I appreciate that. And whether this is your first time listening or you're one of my day ones, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening, and I hope you join us again. Blue skies. Until next time, everybody. Hey yo, displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure. Your taste in music doesn't have to be... Yo, That's My John is a Lonely Monk production written and produced by yours truly, Nate Runkle. Theme song by Phil Tyler Music featuring Nate 3.0. Special thanks to Fox Run Brands, DX Ferris, Andrew Scott, Natalie Runkle, and the incredibly brilliant and wickedly stunning Katie Daubney. If you or anyone you know has any ideas they would like to share or any guests they would like to hear on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at yo that's my john at gmail.com. Or you can leave an audio message for us and possibly hear yourself on a future episode by visiting anchor.fm slash ytmj slash message. 
Until next time, be sure to displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure and shout to the world, yo, that's my John. John.